return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Colswick's got a word for us tonight and uh, thank you Deb for being here and sharing. Thank you Steve as well. Let's welcome Deb all right, as she comes to share the word of God. Amen. Such Hallelujah. a good God we have. Oh. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank yes, you for your presence Lord here. Thank you for the lavish outpouring of your love, Lord, and Hallelujah. the steadfastness of your love. Yes, Lord. Praise you, Lord. You're the God of all hope. Amen. Filling us with all joy, all peace. Oh, my goodness, Lord. Amen. All joy, all yes. peace, Lord, as we believe. Mm. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for revelation knowledge flowing tonight. Hallelujah. For the anointing of God upon every heart to receive your word. Thank you for your word that sets men free in Jesus' yes. name. In yes. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So tonight, returning to the first chapter of Second Timothy, I've entitled it, Fully Persuaded That He Is Able. This is the chapter with the famous verse, verse 7, where the Holy Spirit, by way of Paul, says, We have not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Hallelujah. In the second letter to Timothy, Paul is responding to most likely a letter from Timothy, a very honest letter. And he is dealing with a genuine spirit of fear. There's a lot of junk going on. Uh, Timothy just happens to be, at this point, the pastor of the largest church in the known world, in Ephesus. One commentator figured it was over 100,000 people in this church. But uh, Nero has started rounding up Christians, burning them at the stake, Timothy's a little discouraged. I mean, his church is shrinking. It's declining. These people, he's having funerals constantly. People dying for the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, if that's not bad enough, you got a lot of your church that is bailing out. Like, okay, maybe we're not as devoted as we thought. Not if our life is on the line here. And and then he's a target himself. So um, he is, he was. At this point, this letter, he was discouraged. He was feeling abandoned. He was feeling fearful. So he writes this letter to his mentor, his spiritual father. Now, you've got to get this picture. Yes, Paul is his spiritual father. Paul is his mentor. But Paul is at this moment in a prison himself in Rome with his execution date already set. So, it's kind of interesting that we read this letter full of all this glory and all this encouragement 
when he could have been moaning and groaning and saying, listen, I got it a lot worse than you. That is not anything what we're hearing from Paul to um, Timothy. And he starts out uh, in verse 2, releasing grace. (laughs) It's a good thing to release to folks, friends. He says, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Now listen, if anybody had grace to release, it was Paul. I mean, have you studied his life lately? An overcomer, to say the least. And we can maybe say, well, it was just his personality. He had this grit. No, friends. He had the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he accessed that grace on a regular basis. So he says, I'm releasing to you, Timothy. You've got grace. You've got mercy, and you've got peace, and it all comes from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. It's kind of interesting that he uses the word Lord. Adonai is the Hebrew, meaning supreme Lord of heaven and earth. This was also one of the reasons, one of the commentators said, of the hatred of the Christians at this point. Because they're calling Jesus Lord instead of the Nero or the Caesar. So I think if if Paul was in person, I think he'd just take Timothy by the shoulders, just kind of look in his eye and say, listen, Timothy, you've got to remember this grace that you've got access to. Grace, I mean, we're talking about prevailing over every evil that comes your way. Power. There's finishing grace, healing grace, forgiving grace, overcoming grace. You name it, we have it, friends. And we have access to all of that grace. All of that grace. Hallelujah. Then Paul sets about reminding him who he really was. Verse 5. It's kind of uh, the week, I think the key word at Holy Life here this week is remember. Mm-hmm. Pastor Dave spoke on memorials on yeah. Sunday, remember. Yeah. And um, I see the word remember three times here in this first chapter of Timothy. He says, when I call to remembrance. In other words, okay, every time I think about you, Timothy, my memory bank is overflowing yes. with. The unfeigned faith that's in you. He reminds him, hey, listen, your faith is the real deal. It's authentic. It's unbreakable. It's unbendable. It's authentic faith. And it's the same kind of faith I saw in your mother and in your grandmother. Well, he mentions grandmother first and your mother. And he says, I am persuaded it's also in you. So he says, come on, Timothy. God's faithfulness is part of your very heritage. How many of you have a mom, a dad, a grandma, a grandpa, somebody else that walked in faith and overcame? Only one person? Oh, we got a few. All right. Isn't that good of God to give us somebody else alongside that we can peek into their life and see the faithfulness of God? Hallelujah. We got to take our eyes off that mountain of fear and put it on the faithfulness of God. Hallelujah. Our problem is, guess what? The short memory we tend to have. 
I was just reading um, a quote out of Steve Sampson's book the other night. He said that the reason why very devoted followers of Christ end up a little on the sluggish side is because they have a short memory. We forget what we have, friends. We forget what's inside of us, this divine power. And that's why he says, I'm putting you in remembrance, Timothy. Now, I want you to stir up this gift of God that's in you by putting on of hands. What's he talking about? He says there's going to be some intentionality, friends. This stirring up has to do with keeping a fire going. Um, it's, it's like prodding the embers and poking at them. Or one of the translations says, get the fan going. I think my husband was trying to explain to me that somehow you got to get air to those embers or they tend to die out. It's an intentional business, friends, keeping the fire going, keeping our faith alive, keeping hope alive, keeping the gift that's within us stirred up. That's our job, friends. You can never stand before Christ someday and say, uh, it was my pastor's fault, or it was that song leader's fault, or it was my neighbor's fault, or it was my brother or my sister, or somebody wasn't praying for me. No, we can't use anybody else for an excuse. It's our job to stir it up, prod ourselves, get the fan out, and blow on those embers and keep them alive. Because if we don't, friends, the spirit of fear is just plain going to turn us into cowards. Now, in the Greek, the whole discussion here is about retreating instead of advancing, backing up instead of going forward. So I want to share you with you this wonderful revelation I got the other day listening to Chad Gonzalez. I don't know if any of you have heard of him, but he was preaching on Luke chapter 10. There's this amazing uh, little passage there where Jesus just hired on 70 new disciples. He sent them all out and said, go preach the gospel. Go cure the leper. Raise the You know, heal the sick, raise the dead. And they come back with this amazing report. Jesus, you can't believe it. The demons are subject to your name. And Jesus said, hey, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And then did I? Yes, I did give you this verse. Look at this. Okay. Verse 19. Behold, which we just walk over that word. It means clanging cymbals. Pay attention, i got something to say here. I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. So this word power to tread on serpents, tread means, now get this, are you listening? Tread means to make advancement, because that's why I brought this up, right? To make advancement by putting your foot on top of the serpent and the scorpion. That's the way we make advancement, friends. The enemy has to be under our feet. Now, that's a song we used to sing, right? The enemy is under our feet. But that little part about how we went to the enemy's camp and took everything, that wasn't us, guys. That was Jesus who did that. He did all the hard work. He did it all. 
And now you and I have been given authority to tread on. I'm talking about making advancement by putting our foot on top of the junk, on top of the stuff. And then when it says, over all the power of the enemy, that little phrase, over there, it means complete, absolute, supreme authority. Complete dominion. I was reading, I wrote a whole bunch of stuff down here, so that's why I was stopping. But you see, we've got this picture in our mind that, okay, if I fast for 21 days, if, if I read my Bible a whole lot of chapters, if I pray for a lot of hours, then that puts me about this far above the enemy. No, no, no. Ephesians chapter 1 is at verse 21, isn't it? This one says, we are not just an itty-bitty bit above the enemy. We aren't even a couple inches. We are far. Because why? Because we're in Christ and Christ is in us. He's the champion of Calvary, friends. And that puts us far above all principality, all power, all might, all dominion, every name that is named. Listen, friends, that means the name of every disease. That means the name of every curse that might be coming against you. Not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. So we're not bailing out, friends. We're not backing out. We're not retreating. We're going to make advancement. How? By putting the enemy under our feet. Hallelujah. So Paul says to Timothy, you know what? Stir up that gift. You can actually submit to another spirit. Not the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power. Dunamis power he's talking about. Explosive power. We are talking about unparalleled power like that of a hurricane. Rick Renner compares it to the hurricane, the tornado, and a great big army marching through the land. Do you agree with me? You all look like, do you know what you're talking about? No, it's good. Listen, friend, we forget this power that we've got within us. Listen, next time somebody says that they're dealing with a sickness, you just need to reach out and touch them and release that dunamis, that explosive power, that power that will move things out of the way. Hallelujah. We can stir up our remembrance, friends. We can do that, just like Paul is telling Timothy to do. Stir up the remembrance of what we have in Christ. It's the spirit of power, and the Bible talked about the spirit of love. Now, are we talking about just that ooh and ah and oh, yeah, I have this little tender little part in my heart. Well, I hope you have a tender spot in your heart for every human being on the face of the earth. But Amen. it's actually, this is the word agape love. Yes. We're talking about love with no strings attached. No conditions. The highest form of love. So I don't know, have, have you been tempted just lately maybe to get your feelings hurt? To get offended? I'm willing to bet hundreds of bucks that every one of you in this place has something really lousy has been said about you, at least in the last year. I'm guessing it could be the last two weeks. 
The enemy is out to get us wounded and hurt. And how about a disappointment in life? Anybody have one of them lately? Why? Well, the enemy wants to just wipe us out. He wants us to get to that place where it's not worth it. But it is, friends. And you will never hear Paul say to Timothy, never, I have a bunch of regrets. Oh, no. He says, I'm not ashamed. And that's what we're going to be looking at in just a couple minutes. That third thing that we are talking, do we have access, by the way, to verse 7 again? I know they all got it memorized, but it says, stir up the gift of God that's in you. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and that is dunamis power. That's explosive, miraculous, move it out of the way kind of power. And of love, we're talking about agape love, and of a sound mind. That's the word sophronio. Remember the study we did on sozo? Who remembers anything what sozo means? Go. Prosperity. Healed. Delivered. Rescued. You know, the whole package is in that little word sozo. Guess what that is? Sozo brains. Sound brains. Sound mind. Yeah. Now, the, the interesting thing is, God changes our spirit in an instant. We have all this life, all this hope, all this wisdom, all of this life, resurrection life in our spirit. Our minds, it, we have to renew them. We have to renew them. And as we get into his word, though, the word does the transforming work. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So Paul urges Timothy, um, we're in verse 8 now. Maybe you could turn to the passion for us. Where he says, yeah, here it is. No, this is King James. That'll be, never be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Never be embarrassed about my imprisonment, but overcome every evil by the revelation of the power of God. This is what we've been talking about, right? Let's stir up our remembrance because we have received revelation, understanding of what we have, who we are in Christ. And we need this revelation to be stirred up in our brain and in our minds on a constant, regular basis. And then verse 9 He says he gave us resurrection life. That's a biggie. Resurrection life. You're not going to be dying. Your heart might stop for a little bit. Your flesh might not be the same. You're going to get a brand new body. But your spirit man will be fully alive forever and ever. He drew us to himself by his holy calling, and it wasn't because of any good we have done, but by his divine pleasure and marvelous grace that confirmed our union. Wow. I mean, union with the Lord Jesus Christ? Can it get any better than that? Oh, my goodness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then there's verse 10. (coughs) Excuse me. The truth. This truth is now being unveiled by the revelation of the anointed Jesus, our life giver, who has dismantled death, obliterating all of its effects. Not some, 
all of its effects in our lives. And he has manifested his immortal life in us. Immortal life lives in you, abides in you. I dare you someday, friend, to just read through Deuteronomy 28, that whole list of curses, and just laugh at them. Ha! Not that one. Not that one. Not that one. He obliterated it all. That one's obliterated. That one's redeemed. That one's covered. All by the blood of Jesus. Because that blood is still shouting on the mercy seat of heaven. Redeemed. Finished. Paid for. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, so let's get to one of these verses here. Yeah, verse 12. Okay. For the which cause, and I think I'm in King James now. Thanks, Jeremy. Verse 12. For the which cause I also suffer these things. I mean, Paul admits, I'm in prison. Yep. They've set my execution date. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. I don't have a single regret. This is not a disappointment to me. For I know whom I have believed in. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed unto him against that day. I can, ever, I can never read this verse without wanting to sing it. Did anybody else learn that hymn when they were a kid? Or maybe a teenager. Eddie, you knew this one. You know, in seventh grade, Rachel, you knew this one. In seventh grade, I was playing the organ already in my little church in Esteline, South Dakota. And I would go after school to practice the organ and I would play the hymns and I would sing at the top of my lungs. I mean, this one is just so so mighty, right? I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed Unto him against that day. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So let's take this verse apart just a little bit. Because what's Paul up to? Remember, he's encouraging Timothy's heart. He wants to build him up. Paul starts by saying, I know. Now he's not saying I've got this journal full of information. He's not saying that my brain is loaded with all these facts. No, he's saying, listen, I've got some history with God. I intimately know this God, the one in whom I believe. And he says, my faith in him convinces me that he is more than able. And then he goes on to say, I'm persuaded. Now, this is kind of an interesting word in the Greek because it means it talks about somebody being completely Um, going from one persuasion to an opposite persuasion. Are any of you super-duper persuasive, like you could talk somebody into buying a vacuum? Or or that reminds me. I mean, whenever I hear about this, I think of that vacuum salesman that was at our house for two hours, working, 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 and finally we bought the vacuum, which we regretted terribly. But, you know... But if you have that power of persuasion, that's what happened to Paul. He was persuaded. Now, how did his persuasion occur? Do you remember? 
Was it years and years of somebody working on him, trying to get him to follow Christ? <laughs> no, Jesus himself, boom, bang, right there, a bright shining light on the road. But talk about being persuaded, right? Because his he was living to destroy the Christians. Get them out of the way. I don't want to ever see about them or hear about them. And then all of a sudden, he's their biggest advocate. He's preaching for Christ left and right, Jews and Gentiles. And so he says to Timothy, listen, I'm persuaded. I know this one who's able to keep that which I have committed. Now, how did Paul do it? Are you, have you been wondering about that? He's sitting in this jail cell. He's got his date of execution set. How is he keeping himself up? How is he keeping himself encouraged? How come he's not moaning and groaning and saying, I got a whole lot worse. Life's unfair. No, you don't hear any victim mentality coming from this guy. Now, one of his little secrets he shares in the very next verse, we're not going to, we'll we'll spend a little more time on it later, but if you got verse 13 just for a second for us, he says, hold fast the form of sound words. Oh my goodness, do you suppose he preached to himself? Just maybe. We read of David doing that. I believe Paul did it too. Hallelujah. He knew faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He knew that it's our task to build ourselves up on our most holy faith. So when he says I'm persuaded, I think it's the message Bible that says I couldn't be more sure of my ground. I'm convinced that he is able. Are you convinced that he's able to keep? Now this word is philoso, which has a couple pictures. It has a picture of a soldier or a couple soldiers guarding a piece of ground, a a marked territory. Nothing is going to happen to that land. It's not going to be stolen. It's not going to be damaged. It's safe. Or the picture of the shepherd whose eyes are on those sheep and his job is provision and safety, right? Hallelujah. Well, this keep word, let's go back. Where did we have it? Verse 12, I believe, he's able to keep, to keep. I mean, you're his territory, friends. You are his marked territory. He's, he's put angels over top of, in charge of you. The Holy Ghost himself. I mean, the Bible says he's a personal shield to us. Can you believe it? It's amazing. But he's able to keep. And, and you're his sheep. He's... He's dedicated, he's committed himself to taking care of you. And then it says, there's that word, that which I have committed unto him against that day. Glory to God. Well, before we talk a little bit about that committed word, I want to just stop for a second and just confirm what we know so far. So can you say it with me, please? I am not ashamed... For I know, I got some history with God. I can tell you from experience that my God is able. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Able to keep that which I've committed unto him. So this word committed now is paratephemi. Anybody ever heard of the word paraclete? Yes. Um, I think that's from John chapter 14, that whole passage where Jesus says, I'm sending another one just like myself. And then the para word, paraclete, para means come alongside of. So this paratephemi has to do with coming very near, coming very close, and then making a deposit. Anybody of the day and age when we, uh, when we used to make deposits at the bank by going and opening this drawer, putting the money in, closing the drawer? Remember that? Once you put the money in, you couldn't get it back out. You put it in for safekeeping because you knew the bank was going to keep it safe and secure. Well, that's what this is talking about here. This is saying, I'm persuaded that my God is able to keep to keep safe and secure everything that I've committed unto him. So what have you committed to God? I'm guessing, what did you say? Children. Oh, yes, our children, our marriages. How about our futures, our dreams, our bodies? Everything precious. I mean, Paul is saying here, I committed it all to him, and it's in safe keeping. And he says, I'm persuaded. I know that it's safe. So let's go now to that next verse, that 13 one, where it talks about holding fast the form of sound words. Hold fast has to do with grabbing it, possessing it, embracing it, making it yours. The picture is actually of someone trying to take it away from you. So there's this little tug of war. The enemy wants to steal, kill, destroy. God wants to pour out life, pour out provision, pour out power and prevailing grace. But we have to hold fast the form of sound words. Come on, beloved. It's doubly important what comes out of our mouth in the hard times. It's super important what we say in the darkness. I'll never forget um, a sweet woman I knew. She had the report of cancer, and her words were, I'm dying. I'm dying. I mean, why wouldn't she say something else? Like, I'm going to see my grandchildren. Um, God's going to give me healing. But like I said, it's so important what you say in the hard time, when you get that bad report. In the tough times, friends, we can't say just any old thing that pops into our brain. Because I'm telling you, the enemy is throwing stuff in there too. We, our words give us access to both kingdoms. And we can agree with and release the intention of hell in our life, or we can agree with and release the power of heaven in our life. So when it says, hold fast the form of sound words, now this is actually the phrase hygiano in Greek, which means... The root word is the same as our word for hygiene. Interesting, isn't it? We're supposed to have some healthy words coming out of our mouth. I think it's Joel Osteen that says those are sick words. We don't want to speak sick words. We don't want to speak words. Same thing, honey. 
you know, when you get your feelings hurt and you've been offended. And it's so easy to say that ugly thing, to respond with the intention of hell. You know what I mean? That's the time to speak words of love, words of forgiveness, and just let the love that's within you flow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We must continue to frame our world with our words. And we got to ask ourselves, what kind of world do we want, right? Some of those words popping into our head, we have to ask ourselves, who said that? That's a good question, by the way. Who said that? Where'd that come from? Well, it's pretty easy to figure it out, right? Uh, The Passion Bible, please, for 2 Timothy 1, verse 13 and 14 Allow those healing words you've heard from me to live in you and make them a model for life as your faith and love for the anointed one grows even more. Verse 14, guard well this incomparable treasure by the spirit of holiness living within you. Now just for a moment, Jeremy, can you take us back to verse 12 of the King James? All right. There's two words that you're going to see repeated in verse 14. Here we have the word keep and committed. In this verse, the keeper was God himself. Correct? Like the soldier. Like the shepherd. Anything we committed to him that we deposited in his hands, he is keeping safe and secure. Now, in verse 14... The passion puts it like this, where we want to guard well, guard well, this incomparable treasure. Amplified says, keep with the greatest of care this incomparable treasure. So you see, now we are the guarders. We are the keepers. We are the ones that should be taking utmost care of this treasure that's within us. And the King James is the one that spells out that we, that he committed it to us. Can you show it to us one more time? Here it is. That good thing which was committed unto you, unto you, unto me, by the Holy Ghost. So God has made a deposit himself into us. What has he deposited in us? Well, the passion calls it incomparable treasure. Oh, talk about the dunamis power. Talk about the agape love. Talk about everlasting hope. Talk about peace that cascades over our souls day and night and night and day. Talk about the life of Christ that pervades our spirit. Everything that God is and everything that he God has, he has deposited in us. It's really quite unbelievable. But we want to keep it. We want to guard it well. And uh, we can do like Timothy. Now, Timothy, just so you know, he lived another 40 years after this. He was able to live above fear, probably by stirring up the gift that was within him. Probably by learning how to remember what was his, right? Learning to use sound words. So let's end tonight with a few more declarations. You ready? I'm stirring up the gift of God within me. 
I'm intentionally poking and prodding and keeping the fire of God burning in my heart. I'll say it again and again. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. I'm persuaded. I'm convinced. I've got some history with God. What I've committed to Him. Everything I've committed to Him. He is able to keep. And to guard. And to redeem it for His glory. I'm holding fast to healthy words. Words that release life and not death. I'm agreeing with every one of heaven's intentions for my life. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm alert. I'm on the watch. I refuse to take for granted this incomparable treasure. That's within me. This all-surpassing power. It's being seen. It's being felt. And it's being experienced by those around me. I declare it to be so. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, 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 stand with me, stand with me. Thank you, Father. Thank you for grace, prevailing grace, all-sufficient grace. Thank you for finishing grace, for forgiving grace, for loving grace. Lord, thank you that this people here is an overcoming people. And Jesus, I thank you that you are keeping that which they committed to you. And they are guarding very well this incomparable treasure within them. Thank you for the blessing of God upon their lives in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.